and welcome to Headline Talks, our podcast on European news coverage and those at the heart of it. My name is Lisa Powell, researcher at Headline News Facilities Productions here in Brussels. So we are a little less than a year away from the European elections, but the European elections have a bit of a bad reputation with a recurring reproach being that they are untransparent or even undemocratic. So today's fact check is entirely dedicated to to that very topic. We'll zoom in on European elections, what they are and how they work. The date for the next European election has been set. From the 6th to the 9th of June 2024, every person in every member state will go to vote. European Union democracy is more important today than ever. Your vote matters. I'm here in our podcast studio with my colleague and head of research, Marco Cassiers, who will help break down some of the aspects surrounding the elections. Hi, Marco. Hey, Lisa. It's fun to be here in the studio on the other side of the recording. <laughs> Happy to have you here. Welcome. Could you maybe start off by explaining a little bit what the European elections are about? Yes, uh, gladly. It's such an important topic. So, as you said, the European elections have the reputation of being untransparent, mm-hmm. which is sometimes recuperated in a Eurosceptic narrative to claim that they are, in fact, undemocratic. The reality is that most people simply aren't aware of how they work, let alone how their vote impacts the EU's political leadership. So I think it's really important, first and foremost, to explain the election and how it works. By a European election, we really mean the European Parliament election. Okay, so the European Parliament election, what actually is or does a European Parliament? Yes, good question, because it's something we take for granted when we talk about the European Parliament and MEPs, members of the European Parliament. But it's always good to go back to the basics and say, okay, what exactly does the European Parliament do? So it's the Parliament on the European level. It functions a little bit differently than a Parliament would do on a national level. It's one of the EU's seven decision-making institutions, which kind of explains why it's sometimes a... (laughs) One of seven. One of seven. One of seven, which explains why it's sometimes difficult to follow exactly how certain decisions are taken, which of course kind of adds to the idea that people who aren't familiar with the EU system might have questions about, okay, but how is decision X or Y taken? So the European Parliament, one of the the EU's seven decision-making institutions, and the EP, short for European Parliament, along with the Council of the EU, adopt legislation that is proposed by the European Commission. So in short, a summary is that the European Parliament is crucial in adopting European laws and policies that shape our lives as EU citizens. An example being the mobile roaming regulations. The law which... which, uh, So we don't have to pay roaming costs in France when we go in another European country, for example, France. Yes, exactly. And of course, the European Parliament does a lot of other things as well, including it uh, publishes the Eurobarometer, which is a survey into the perception and expectations of EU citizens. But it also awards, for example, the Sakharov Prize, which is a famous human rights prize, and the Daphne Caruana Galizia Journalism Prize for outstanding journalism, named, of course, after the famous Maltese journalist who was murdered. I mean, there's a lot to say about how the European Parliament works and what it does, but the essence is that, that it's crucial in adopting EU laws. Okay, so it's crucial in adopting EU laws, but how crucial are those elections and exactly for how do they shape our lives? Yes. So first of all, in order to understand how they impact our lives, it's good to understand exactly how the elections themselves are organized. So 
Once every five years, EU citizens choose more than 700 people to represent them in the European Parliament. It means that each EU citizens in each member state choose which MEPs, members of the European Parliament, should represent them on a European level. Those MEPs then go on to vote on a variety of topics in the parliaments, on a variety of regulations, laws, and they also hold the commission, which we'll talk about a little bit later, the European Commission, which is the executive branch of the EU, to account. The last election was in 2019, and as we heard in the soundbite at the beginning of this episode by European Parliament President Roberta Metzola, the next election will take place from 6 to 9 June 2024. Okay, should be an exciting time. Do you remember when, when you first went to vote for the European election? Oh, uh, yes, yes. Let me think. Well, uh, I'm 30 years old now. So the last one was 2019 when I was 26. So I voted two times. I voted uh, when I was 26 and 21. So okay. I remember when I voted for the first time, I remember thinking, on an intuitive level, okay, this is important because, um, you know, it's part of the democratic process. We have to make our voice heard. But I don't remember thinking about it on a very concrete level, thinking, oh, I have to vote for this or that person or party because those issues are at stake. So I do remember feeling a kind of, feeling a bit more disconnected than to the European election than I was to the national election. Okay. And I have a feeling that you're about to tell us what is at stake at this election. Ah, after the election results are known, the MEPs vote for the European Commission president and the commissioners. So, and of course, the laws and legislation we talked about. We now come to the votes. But in short, that really means that the results of the election, so for example, the results of the next year's election, will determine the political direction of the EU from 2024 to 2029. So a lot is at stake. A fun fact about that actually is that the European Parliament has the second largest electorate in the world, second only to the Parliament of India. Okay, interesting. So it's it's a big representation. Yeah. Is the European Parliament the only institution of which the representatives are directly elected by its citizens? That's actually a good question. In short, yes. Yes, it's the only institution for which we EU citizens vote directly. But that's not to say that we don't elect the members of other institutions. So allow me to explain. Um, as I mentioned before, the EU has a lot of decision-making institutions. And for example, the European Council is composed of heads of state or government of EU member countries. So those are people we elect as heads of, of our states uh, so in our nationalities. Macron, Orban, De Croo. Yeah, or exactly. Those are also elected by EU citizens, but not quite as directly as the European Parliament. Because, for example, those heads of states are a result of national elections. Mm -hmm. So they are elected by EU citizens, but they aren't as directly as going to vote for the members of the European mm -hmm. Parliament. Same example is, for example, the, the Council of the European Union, which consists of government ministers from each country, for yeah, example. So it's more of a byproduct of their function. Yes, yes. But which is why um, I find it interesting to add that it's, the, yes, the European Parliament is the only direct election, but that's not to say that the other decision-making bodies aren't consistent of elected officials. So what about the European Commission? That's one institution you haven't mentioned yet. Yes, uh, great question. The European Commission is the, first of all, it's the executive branch of the EU. It consists of a team of 26 commissioners, one for each EU country, led by a president. Of course, at the moment, the president of the European Commission is Ursula von der Leyen. But it's a good question. How are they elected? Because they, the commission has a lot of power. So 
The Commission president is always elected for a five-year term by the European Parliament after the European elections, mm -hmm. the election of the European Parliament. But how that person, that president of the European Commission is elected is actually quite a contested question. And I think that's also the source of the impression that some people have that power on a European level is not directly elected. Because, for example, in 2014 and 2019, the European Parliament worked with a Spitzenkandidat system. So what is the Spitzenkandidat process? It's a procedure in which European political parties, which are kind of the groups of politically similar parties from different nations, mm -hmm. um, such as Greens and... Uh, yes. They appoint a lead candidate for the role of commission president ahead of the election. So because it's a way for um, the results of the European election to count in who actually becomes the president of the European Commission. So it's a result of how can we make sure that even if the president of the European Commission will have a lot of power for five years in determining the direction the EU takes in a lot of political decision making, how do we make sure that person is, even if that person isn't directly elected, that it's still a person who represents the election and represents the results of the elections uh, and the votes. But famously in 2019, in the end, it wasn't the Spitzenkandidat's person who became the president of the European Commission, but it was Ursula von der Leyen. So the European Council, which consists of EU heads of states or governments, proposed a candidate for the president of the European Commission. And in 2019, this, after a period of two months of negotiations, this ended up being Ursula von der Leyen, even if before the election there had been debates among the Spitzenkandidaten. Do you think that this process with the Spitzenkandidat will it be used in, in the next elections? It's a good question. Given that 2019 yielded, how shall I say it, mixed results mm -hmm. of, the, of the system, some parties have already said that they won't use a Spitzenkandidat process. The left party has already said that they will internally elect a Spitzenkandidat for the position of president of the European Commission for the 2024 election. A few days after we recorded this podcast, the EU Affairs Ministers at a General Affairs Council in Luxembourg on Tuesday the 27th of June rejected a push by the European Parliament to make the voting system more democratic for next year's European election. Specifically, the Ministers rejected a proposal by the European Parliament to consolidate the Spitzenkandidat system for the Commission and a proposal to use transnational candidate lists for the Parliament. If anything, this shows that the topic of today's podcast remains a topic for discussion one year ahead of the European elections. So I think it will depend on, on each party. Which party and which political family. And we're still a year away, so I think a lot can happen in terms of how the eventual president of the commission will be proposed and will be elected. Okay. So, for example, if we look at the two last European elections, in 2014, Jean-Claude Juncker was the Spitzenkandidat of the European People's Party, EPP, and since the EPP got the majority of the votes, Juncker was elected president of the European Commission. But in 2019, Manfred Weber was the EPP Spitzenkandidat. But however, member states did not find consensus on Weber's nomination. And in the end, it was Ursula von der Leyen who assumed office. We have proposed Ursula von der Leyen as the next president of the European Commission. Which led to certain member states and political parties opposing the process as they wanted to focus more on national electoral process. Okay, interesting. And do you think anything will be different from the last election? Yes, actually. The European Parliament wants to expand its number of seats. So at the moment we have 705 members in the European Parliament and the proposal is to expand this with 11 seats to 716 seats. 
The reason behind that is that the population we now know today in 2023 in the EU is not the same as that of 2019. Since population ratios have changed, in order to make sure the political representation on a European level is still accurate, the number of parliament seats sometimes fluctuates a bit. So the 11 extra seats would be there to make sure that the representation is accurate. Spain and the Netherlands would gain two extra MEPs. Austria, Denmark, Slovakia, Ireland, Slovenia and Latvia would all get one extra MEP. Okay. So for some geeky European background knowledge, uh, if that interests you, Lisa, according to the European treaties, the European Parliament cannot have more than 750 members. There can only be one president and member states can each have between six and 96 seats depending on their population. And if new countries want to join the EU, then the puzzle has to be redone. Or when a country leaves the EU, then of course the puzzle has to be redone yeah. as well, which of course we know from, from Brexit, of course. Exactly, or our, our favorite word. <laughs> <laughs> and in these past few years, we've seen more and more foreign interference in the elections, also in European elections. Do you expect this will play a role as well next year? For sure. So much has happened in, in the last five years. Uh, we've seen a global pandemic. We've seen the start of the war in Ukraine. But now we also have generative AI, which is used for content creation, but also content manipulation. Mm -hmm. But apart from that, we also see this increasing climate crisis, which is being, I saw a description of it a few days ago, that it has increasingly also become an identity topic. So there's a lot of information, misinformation, disinformation going around about climate. And all those topics are just increasing this war of information that's going on online. Plus, you have all these new technologies and techniques, which are part of AI, that we our societies are nowhere near prepared for recognizing, let alone regulating how to use them in content creation. So all these things, if you combine that with a huge election year, not only in Europe, but also in the world, I think there's quite a lot of misinformation, disinformation coming our way, but also manipulation of elections, whether it be on purpose or not. Do you think these topics you've mentioned, such as climate crisis and so on, will also be major topics next year? Yes. Well, if we think about what the major topics will be of the European election in 2024, I mean, a few things we can already name, of which of course will be big issues. The war in Ukraine, security, energy, climate, migration, a lot can happen in a year. I think it's safe to say that these will all be big topics in the European election. But, you know, so much can happen between now and one year from now. So it will be a an interesting political year in any case. Yeah, for sure. So in conclusion, when we circle back to our original question, Margot, are the European elections democratic? Yes. Uh, sorry, I <laughs> expanded quite a bit here and there. <laughs> no problem. Um, yes, yes, they are democratic. But I would say to contextualize maybe the bad reputation they have, I would say that maybe a point of critique would be that maybe here and there the election processes aren't very well known and certain elements of it can be made more transparent. So I think that's a challenge for us to take along as journalists working in, in EU news that we have to find ways to make people care, so to speak, to mm -hmm. explain why this matters, why it's important. And so the challenge is how can we bring the European elections in a larger context, EU news and EU decision-making processes closer to EU citizens. So that'll be our personal challenge for the coming year. Mm -hmm.
it's a good challenge to take to next year. So, uh, thank you, you say that now. <laughs> thank you, Margot, for being here with me in the studio and for explaining this all very well to us. Yeah, for sure. I, I really look forward to working on all this in the coming year. Me too. <laughs>